Chapter thirty two of Darkness and Daylight or Lights and Shadows of New York Life. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Bruce Peary. Darkness and Daylight or Lights and Shadows of New York Life. Chapter thirty two by Thomas W. Knox street vendors and sidewalk merchants how skin games and petty swindles are played beaten the angels for lion an interesting feature of metropolitan life is the army of street vendors of many names and kinds to be met on every hand a stroll along broadway or the bowery or in the vicinity of city hall brings to view many of these itinerant merchants who literally swarm in some portions of the city and manage to make a living out of the public and some of them make a very good living too I remember a peddler of pocket cutlery who every evening used to haunt the corridors of hotels and stroll through beer saloons, bar rooms, and other places open to the public. He was known as Jake and was of German origin. Sometimes he was called Dutch Jake and sometimes Dirty Jake, the former appellation having reference to his nationality and the latter to his personal appearance. He was very melancholy of visage he never asked you to purchase his wares but the silent appeal of his beseeching look his unwashed face and uncombed hair his sad physiognomy and his threadbare clothing as he stood speechless in front of a possible patron and displayed a soiled roll of leather holding two or three dozen pocket-knives and scissors of all sizes and kinds was enough to melt any heart not absolutely adamantine Many a time Jake has unrolled his leather case beneath my nose and held it there without saying a word. If I paid no attention to him, he rolled it up in a minute or so, and with a deep sigh walked slowly away. If I showed an interest in his misfortune and asked the price of the knives, there was a gleam of sunshine across his face that seemed to say he was about to be saved from starvation. If I bought a knife or a pair of scissors, he was somehow never able to make change, as if he hadn't a cent about him. When he received his money, he thanked me stolidly, and the fervor with which he grasped the coin convinced me that I had performed an act of real charity to a deserving man who was too proud to beg and had only a slender stock in trade with which to support himself and possibly a suffering family of children often out of a feeling of commiseration for poor jake my friends and i have bought things we did not want and consequently we have more than once had an overstock of knives and scissors one day a case came before the courts in which a supposed rich man who lived with his wife at a fashionable hotel had sought to defraud a money-lender out of several thousand dollars the money-lender proved to be no other than dirty jake of the sorrowful countenance and threadbare clothes and it transpired that he had made a great deal of money by peddling knives and scissors in the manner described his days were devoted to negotiating loans at high rates of interest and his evenings to peddling his wares and securing customers by his abject manner and deceptive appearance of great poverty and utter despair 
Jake is by no means a solitary example of the thriving peddlers who haunt the streets of New York and secure patronage through sympathy. There are beggars of all kinds who solicit alms under very thin disguises of commerce, and some of them live in a style often surpassing that of the persons who contribute to their support. On 14th Street, there has been on pleasant afternoons for many years a grey-bearded man who exhibits a model of a ship tossing on model waves, and very poor models of ship and waves they are. On the box that supports the glass case containing these nautical curiosities is a placard announcing that the ship is the work of a poor sailor. The inference is plain enough that the poor sailor is the old grey-bearded, weather-beaten, and nautically apparelled man in charge of the exhibit. A tin cup on the box receives contributions, and many are the pennies and nickels that find their way into it. It is said that the money thus received pays the rent of a comfortable apartment in a building in a respectable quarter, and also supports a family of three persons in comfort and even luxury. Not a stroke of work is done by any member of the family. The daily receipts of the tin cup of the poor sailor enable the family to keep two servants, and the wife and daughter of the exhibitor, who is neither sailor nor model-builder, are good patrons of fashionable stores. Street merchants are more numerous in the lower part of the city than in the residence portion, though they are by no means unknown in any quarter. Many of them often stick to their trade from year to year. One old candy woman has for years taken up her quarters in close proximity to one of the public schools, where she patiently sits day after day beneath an old umbrella hung over the fence. The lowest grade of street merchants deal in shoe-strings, which they carry in large bundles across their arms or hung by hundreds about their necks. Shoe-string peddlers are mostly of Hebrew origin, and it is not unlikely that they make a large return for their industry. Of the same nationality are the peddlers of combs and collar-buttons, whose stock and trade is carried in a small basket or tray, usually suspended by straps passing around the neck. The collar-button peddler is often a very convenient merchant for the ordinary citizen to encounter, for these little indispensable articles of personal use are constantly breaking or rolling out of sight, and when wanted are very much wanted indeed, and many a man can testify that the collar-button merchant has often relieved embarrassment of this sort for a very small pecuniary consideration. Side by side with a blind man who sells pencils and is almost literally covered with them, is the vendor of a little instrument for threading needles, who has been over twenty years in this business, to my knowledge, and always in the region around the post office and city hall. The best evidence that he has made it pay is the fact that he has spent nearly a lifetime in following his humble occupation. Not far away is a song vendor who sells sheets of songs of the most recent date. Iron fences in front of churches or elsewhere are often utilized by these sidewalk music dealers who stretch strings along them on which hundreds of printed songs are fastened by clothes pins. 
in the upper part of the city numerous italian girls decked in raiment of many colors carry small baskets full of notions and trinkets through the streets and look with beseeching eyes at every passer-by the tooth-powder man is a curiosity standing on a street corner he vociferously offers to polish free of charge the teeth of any boy who wishes to be made dentally presentable there is generally no lack of candidates and when one offers himself as a sacrifice his teeth are turned from black or yellow to pearly white in an astonishingly short time by using a brush covered with a white powder the tooth-powder artist scrubs the teeth of his candidates much as he would polish a boot and without any regard to the comfort of the patient during the operation he convinces his patrons that there is nothing injurious in his compound by taking a spoonful of it in his own mouth and allowing it to dissolve there exactly what the preparation is no one can say positively but that it is a powerful acid is very evident from its prompt action in removing discoloration from the teeth one of the most interesting class of peddlers are the vendors of fruits and vegetables in their season most of whom have a peculiar way of effecting sales a makeshift of a wagon is loaded with oranges apples strawberries melons lemons or any fruit or vegetable that happens to be abundant and the driver who must first procure a license from the proper city authorities proceeds to patrol the cheap residence streets before doing so he engages a shouter as he is technically called a fellow with stentorian lungs who is capable of making himself audible for an incredibly long distance while the driver directs his animal usually nothing but skin and bones at a slow pace the shouter proclaims the wares that are for sale sometimes the shouter aids the driver in selling his goods and making change while at others he is engaged for his voice only like an opera singer and disdains the manual or intellectual part of the business these shouters are to be found around the markets and other places where the fruits are obtained by the peddlers before starting on their rounds and their wages vary from one to two or even three dollars a day according to length of service and power of lungs the shouter also exercises his abilities by selling extra editions of the newspapers in the evening half a dozen shouters each with a quantity of extras under his arm start uptown from union station at seven or eight o'clock in the evening and make noise enough to drown all other street sounds all that can be distinguished is extra extra here's your extra evening paper great wow 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 it is impossible to guess what has happened and it is not the shouter's business to let you know until you have bought the paper that something terrible has occurred is certain and you rush to buy the extra containing the frightful intelligence you open it nervously and find that the clamshells have beaten the lobsters at baseball or the racehorse mudlark has outrun his rival foghorn by half a neck the retreating form of the shouter is already far away 
there are peddlers who dispense cologne water of a wretched quality it is water with a little odorous extract in it to give a perfume and possibly the stopper of the bottle has been dipped in a genuine cologne to give a good smell there are peddlers of court plaster and of clothes hooks italian boys with pretzels strung on long poles and there are several corners where one may find men selling small bookcases made by stringing three or four shelves upon wires the shoe blacking man has a section of a freshly polished boot that reflects every object near it and the dealer in stove polish has a piece of iron that shines with the lustre of a newly cast piece of bronze near him is a man whose stock in trade is one of the numerous preparations for mending broken china and he exhibits a broken and mended plate or saucer suspended in a frame with a weight of five or ten pounds hung to the lower half to show that the two sections cannot be pulled apart the cash paid for rags man may be found throughout the tenement house districts though he is by no means unknown in more fashionable localities he is a formidable rival of the shouter in strength of lungs the dealer in toy balloons is not far away the balloons are from six to twelve inches in diameter and inflated with gas occasionally a reckless fellow who is apparently willing to be amused at the expense of the peddler generally an italian slips up behind him and slyly cuts the strings of the balloons away they soar heavenward and the frantic sufferer fills the air with bitter laments and impious imprecations a crowd quickly assembles and the sympathetic spectators show their pity for the unfortunate italian by contributing a sufficient amount of money to pay for his lost stock in trade and very often they leave him something more the excitement is soon over and the grateful balloon merchant leaves ostensibly to buy new stock if we follow him closely for a few minutes we shall quite likely find him around the corner chatting familiarly and dividing the proceeds with the man who cut the strings and only then do we realize that the whole affair was a put-up job so too is the trick of the dealer in plaster images whose stand is upset by a drunken ruffian who staggers away quite oblivious of the ruin he has wrought to the great dismay and consternation of the poor dealer in works of art the ruffian and dealer are in partnership and this method of disposing of the frail plaster is quicker and far more lucrative than the old way of selling it piece by piece to legitimate purchasers another trick of street trade is often successfully carried out by street dealers in kindling wood the time chosen for its execution is usually early evening and a side street uptown is the place generally selected potter familius who possibly has just finished dinner hears a tremendous shouting in the street in front of his house and rushes to the window to see what dreadful thing has happened two men with a load of kindling wood in a wagon are in the middle of the street their horse has fallen to the ground and is evidently unable to rise the men hold a solemn consultation and then one of them approaches the house slowly and timidly rings the bell 
he explains that he and his friend had a load of kindling wood to deliver in the next street for which they were to collect two dollars the horse is old and very weak and was suddenly taken sick he cannot possibly draw the load and if they succeed in getting him to his feet they will be fortunate if they can induce him to pull an empty wagon as for the loaded one it is quite beyond his strength under these circumstances paterfamilius is asked to buy the kindling wood as an act of charity for a suffering animal and a perplexed driver so that the men can return to their employer with the money to assure paterfamilius of the correctness of this plausible story a bill for the kindling wood is shown and his careful attention is called to the words collect two dollars so he buys the wood though he did not really want it he has storage room in his cellar and the wood is speedily dumped through the coal hole in the sidewalk when he looks at the wood next morning he finds that it would have been dear at half the price paid for it he soberly mentions the circumstance to a friend who consoles him by laughing at the way he has been taken in by the kindling wood trick yes it is a melancholy fact that he was the victim of the worst and meanest kind of swindle because it was perpetrated in the name of kindness to men or animals or both it may be a slight consolation to paterfamilius to know that many another old resident has suffered by the same fraud another swindler who plays upon the cupidity of mankind rather than upon their good nature is the man who offers to sell four boxes of soap for a dollar each to convince spectators that the purchase will be a profitable one he actually puts a ten dollar bill in one box a five dollar bill in the second and a two dollar bill in the third in the fourth box there is nothing but the cake of soap and very poor soap at that now he tells his listeners that for one dollar they can draw any one of the boxes whereupon after some hesitation a man who is apparently a stranger but who is in reality a confederate steps forward pays his dollar and of course he draws one of the boxes containing money either two or five dollars the other money boxes remain and also the blank one confidence is soon inspired in the crowd of onlookers and an unsuspecting and bona fide purchaser who has all the time closely watched the proceedings and is quite certain that he has a sure thing now tries his hand but somehow he always finds a blank in his box and should he draw a score of times in succession his luck will always be the same it is a skin game successfully executed by a skillful performance of sleight of hand aided by confederates who do everything in their power to confuse the unlucky buyer the man who dispenses soda water at two cents a glass and ice cream at one cent a plate is sure of liberal patronage from gamins and newsboys a crowd of whom may generally be found about the vendor's stand the street peddler not far off who deals in figs and dates and who is equipped with a hand-cart and a large stock of tempting fruit 
is evidently a facetious fellow for he has labelled one of his packages with the words latest dates from constantinople he is waggish but he nevertheless has a wonderfully sharp eye for business and an abundance of nerve too as one stands a dozen yards away he reads on a placard only fifteen cents a pound the unsuspecting customer tempted by the quality of the fruit and the low price approaches nearer and buys a pound for which he is charged thirty cents instead of fifteen indignantly he calls the dealer's attention to the mistake and by way of emphasizing his remarks he points to the placard on which the price is stated alas a close inspection reveals the figures one-half immediately following the capital a the letters and figures forming the placard as first read are fully three inches in height while the one-half is not over half an inch and is never noticed by the hasty purchaser sidewalk vendors of cheap clothing and dry goods abound in the lower part of the city some of them do a legitimate business though as a rule the curbstone merchant will bear watching the street vendor has a good knowledge of human nature and very often he does not hold his fellow men in high esteem some people think he relies upon the stranger for the most of his patronage but if you talk with one of them after getting into his confidence he will very likely tell you such is not the case the city's full of muffs said one of these fellows recently when i interviewed him talk about the hayseeds from the country he continued the city jay is the readiest of em all to be gulled there's men standin round on every corner or passin along by here every minute just waitin for somebody like me to come along and sell em anything nobody need starve in new york if he's got any grit about him i can tell you that let me tell you what i did one day last week i went in to play policy just for the fun of the thing you know and when i came out of the place kind of dazed like i had just twenty cents left everything else was gone and i wondered for a minute what on earth i'd do it didn't take me more'n a minute though to make up my mind i went into the first grocery i come across and bought two cakes of common laundry soap and three cents worth of blue tissue paper i borrowed a knife and cut up my soap into thin slices and wrapped each slice up nice and tidy like as though it had been done in a big shop then i went down on the bowery just as men were coming out for their hour at noon and grabbed hold of the first one i see with grease on his coat collar and i didn't have to wait long to find him you bet i told him i'd clean his coat up nice for nothin if he'd only give me five minutes well sir before the five minutes was up i had a big crowd around me and i did his coat up so's you couldn't see a bit of grease on it twas just as clean as though it had come spick and span new from the tailors perhaps you don't know but you can wet a grease spot and it won't show for two hours or so only if you give it time to dry it'll be out again about as plain as ever when i got the feller's coat fixed all right i turned to the crowd and says says i here ye are gents you see what the great chain lightnin double refined centennial night bloomin serious soap will do 
invented by a frenchman who spent twenty years finding out what it ought to be made of and spoiled thirteen thousand coats before he hit it exactly right a british syndicate's been after the secret and offered him ten thousand pounds cash down and no back talk for the rights for new york city but he refused it and him and me's in partnership for two years and nobody else hasn't any right to sell it here you are the great patent grease eradicator make a coat or carpet as good as new and all in five minutes with a twist of your wrist that anybody is only to try to find out he can do it only twenty-five cents a cake gents and will save you five dollars in having your clothes cleaned and made good as new no matter if they's a dozen years old well sir i kept right on talkin in that style sayin anything that came into my head and just beatin the angels for lyin in less than half an hour i'd sold out my whole stock and made eight dollars and a half and back i went to the grocery and got more soap and was sellin it like hot cakes when a cop took me up for sellin without a license i let him start off with me and a big crowd a follerin and then i hauled my license on him and he let me go i've worked the soap racket pretty well out just now and i'm going into the cheap pocket-book and pencil line the pocket-books look first-rate and they sells well and you know why i acknowledged my ignorance and asked to be enlightened they look well and they're cheap and that's what catches the gulls said the vendor i tell you everybody likes to be humbugged though there ain't many as'll acknowledge it End of chapter thirty two